0: Amen. Amen. We're so glad to have you. Well, I'm going to talk to you this morning about Christ in me and that Christ in me works. Uh, But what power does Christianity really offer? Let's be real for a little bit. What power does Christianity really offer? Is it just a bunch of religious rules? Is it uh, a group of traditions? Is it something that's been passed down that we learn good morals from our parents? Is it a lot of self-effort or maybe it's that we've got to work on denying self and and putting things away, and we, we change our behavior, and, and all this kind of uh, self-deprivation? And can Christianity really free me from pain? Can Christianity free me from uh, depression, and anger, and suicide? Can it free me from loneliness? Can it free me from drugs, or alcohol, or or sexual immorality? Can it free me from all the bad stuff that's happened to me when I was a child? Is it actually that powerful? Can it... Really changed my life? Can this Christ that you're talking about really change my life? What makes Christianity different than any other religion or self help book in the world is that we believe in a sacrificed and a risen Savior. There's no other religion in the world that believes like we believe about a sacrificed atoning person, Jesus Christ, one who would take on my flesh and take on my frailty and take on my bad habits and take on my bad behavior and take on my pain and my past, put it on himself and then kill it and then raise again. That's what makes Christianity different. But let me ask you, how many people have ever felt, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many people have ever felt like a failure as a Christian? And I'll actually just raise my hand. Uh, Felt like a failure. Maybe there's been habits you couldn't break. Maybe there's been thoughts you couldn't shake. Or maybe there's been things that have been done to you that no one could ever undo. Maybe there's been things that you've been trying to do better, but you just haven't found the power and able to do it. You're trying to be a Christian. You go to church. You do what you're supposed to do. But you're like, man, I cannot break this one thing in my life. There's this thing. It's more painful, it's more life-controlling, it's more powerful than even I am. And I know that there is a God, and how many people in the Bible Belt would believe that. I know there is a God. You're in a church service on Easter. You're you're not anti, obviously, church. You're not anti-Jesus. But sometimes we know it, but maybe living it out is not altogether the same. And so is Christianity powerful to change your life? Is Jesus Christ powerful to change your life? Is it more powerful than the things you fail to overcome? I'm going to talk to you this morning about a sacrifice Christ who offers forgiveness from sin and a resurrected Christ that offers power over sin. Jesus doesn't just offer forgiveness from sin. He gives you power over sin. Somebody say amen. I'm going to give you a little story before we get into the message and if you've got your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14. Uh, just kind of have a conversation. Can we do that just for a moment? Just a conversation about the Christian life. Because before I tell you about the forgiveness and the freedom Christ offers, we've got to kind of process it a little bit. And on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, the day before, Jesus took his followers up to a mount uh, called the Mount of Olives, which overlooked the city of Jerusalem. And he was preparing them for what was about to happen. They were about to enter this Christian life. Uh, And he says, hey, I'm going to die and be betrayed and and left. I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die. And they're like, wait, 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 what? Wait a minute. What are you saying, Jesus? What do you mean, where are you going? We can't make it without you. Isn't that sometimes how we think in the Christian life? From the very beginning, we, we come down to an altar. We make a personal declaration in our room or on our drive or wherever we are. And we think, okay, I cannot do this thing. I can't stop drinking, I can't can't stop cussing, I can't change my bad behavior, I I, I can't change the way I think, how how can I do this? And when Jesus says things like, hey, greater things you're going to do through, I I don't understand, how can I do this thing? Let's look at this conversation Jesus has with his disciples, I'm going to pull out a few verses just to help us in John 14. So they're thinking, Jesus, he says he's going to die, they think, oh, all right, I can't do this, this is too much. And so they say, well, how do we know the way? How do we know the way? John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus says, hey, I'm leaving you an example. And then they say, what? Like we would say, okay, what example? What do you mean? How do I do this thing still? Okay, I'm the way. All right. Well, he says, the Father is in me. Verse 10. He says, the words I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. So Jesus says, hey, all right, guys, I'm leaving. You're going to die. And they're they're freaking out. They're saying, I can't do this Christian life. I can't do this without you. You've been walking with us for three years. You know how frail we are. You know how much I fail. I'm not going to meet up to the expectation. Anybody ever struggled to become a Christian before the thing? I can't do like what all those other people do. I don't I don't act like them. I don't look like them. I don't dress like them. I can't I can't do that. And see, Jesus says, "Okay, it's all right. I'm showing you the way. He says, it's not been me from the very beginning. It's been the Father working through me and that everything I do has been for the Father's glory. I love the Father. So the Father has entered into me and I'm working through him and he, uh, he's working through me. And so he says, just it's going to be that same way as you want to live out this Christian life. He says, everything that I've done has been because the Father's in me and everything you're going to do is because I'm going to be in you. And he goes on in verse, four, uh, verse 12, he says, and guess what? You can do it. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do also. And greater works than he will do because I go to the Father. And you think, well, come on, really? Really? Jesus, you think I can really do what you do I don't know about you, I've yet to ever turn water into wine. You'd be a pretty popular person if you could do that. Or I've never, you know, cast off leprosy off of a person. And he says, yeah, greater things that you can do. How many people believe that? Greater things you're going to be able to do. All my people around the world, all the Christians around the world are going to do greater things because I'm going to be in them. We miss that so many times. He says, you can do it. We say, sure, Jesus, whatever. He says, no, verse 13, I'll help you along the way. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But we think, okay, Jesus, but what if I really, really need you? God, I'm going to try. Okay, I'm going to start this Christian life. I'm going to try to work it out. I'm going to try harder. He says, no, no, no. The father's going to do it through you. And he says, but when you come to a crossroads and you have an issue, guess what? All you got to do is cry out to me. I'll be there. That's Jesus's promise. He says, I'm going to help you do this. And if you find a thing that's too big for you, if you find a problem or a valley that's too wide for you, a mountain that's too high, guess what? I'm going to be there. Just just ask me and I'll answer you. And so he says, so they say, okay, just do your part. And we'll help you, Jesus says. Verse 23. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And the Father will love him. And we'll come to him and make our abode and dwelling with him. So what do you mean, Jesus? It's going to be like this. Just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament, they had this central tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. You guys see in Indiana Jones. You know, that kind of thing. A box with some angels on top of it, for those of you who may not be with us very often. But in that box, the Spirit of God dwelt. And he says, it's just going to be that same way. Just like the Spirit was in that box, just like in the middle of the camp of Israel, the Spirit of God dwelt. It's going to be the same way in you. So guess what? Chill out. You can do it. I'm going to be with you. You're going to do greater things than even I could do on my three years in this earth. And how are you going to do it? I'm going to answer you when you have trouble. I'm going to be dwelling within you. The Holy Spirit's going to overtake you. And they're saying, oh no, I don't know about this, Jesus. Can't you just be like right here with me? You ever try to want to Ask that prayer, like Jesus, could you just show up, literally? Guess help me in this financial issue, or help me in this personal issue, or my family issue. Help me overcome what I'm in the season of loss, or depression, or sorrow that I'm in in my life. Could you just physically come in this room and have a chat with me? Anybody ever want to have a prayer like that, or ask that prayer before, right? And he says, Guess what? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, peace. peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Do I give it to you, but do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You have heard that I say to you, I go away, but I will come to you. And if you love me, you you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for for the Father is greater than I. Today, because you have a resurrected Jesus, you have joy. Because you have a resurrected Jesus, you can have power. And because you have a resurrected Jesus, you can overcome everything in the Christian life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's talk about that. What do you need to live in victory today? What is it, this whole Christian life thing? How does it work? What does it do? How does it happen? I'm just going to talk to you for two words. One is forgiveness and one is freedom. I'm going to keep it simple today. Forgiveness from sin. And the Bible tells us that all of our efforts have fallen short. All of our things that we would pursue toward gain and personal pleasure, everything that we sought for in our life, says that it falls short. The greatest ambition in the world falls short for the ambition that God wants you to have in your life. The greatest desire falls short for the greatest desire that God wants to put in your heart. The greatest thing you could ever do in this world falls short in comparison to what God wants you to do through the kingdom of heaven. I don't care if you're a billionaire, if you solve world peace, if you fill out world hunger, if you conquer the world and make everything a beautiful utopia, you will still fall short in God's eyes. Do you believe that? Amen. Everything in this world falls short. All of our efforts. And the Bible says that the law, the Old Testament of God, condemned it all as sin and death. Romans 6.23. And even then... You say, well, Pastor can I go to church? Can I read my Bible? Can I pray? Can I, can I do good things? Yeah, you can. But the Bible says that even the law was powerless over sin, that the Bible itself would reveal sin, that the Old Testament would reveal sin, that Christianity and the, the rules and the religions, yeah, it'll show you this is bad, this is good. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. This is what God's level of holiness is. This is what God requires for a person to get into heaven. But it doesn't help you get there. Paul says the law, as weak as it was, it was only there to define the sin. But it was powerless to overcome it. And so guess what? The more you try to obey the Bible, what happens? The more you fail. The more you read about Scripture, the more you say, Wow, Jesus, This man, this is some pretty hard stuff. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Go the distance. Uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Oh, there's no way. There's no way I could ever live up to that. Because Heath Harrison himself, is powerless. I'm overcome by my own attitudes and sin and, and desires and lust of the flesh and pride of life. So the more you try to obey the Bible, guess what? You're setting yourself up for failure. You need something to help you. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Amen. So what has happens? Jesus comes. He comes to give you this free gift, this blessed gift of eternal life. And it was this great gift of grace that it said the Bible says in Romans 520 that would abound over all of your sin and more. That every failure you had, God would give you grace and beyond. Uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. That's God's grace. It's beyond everything you could possibly imagine, every failure you could ever possibly have, everything that you could possibly do that would be a a sin to death in God's eyes. He says, I'm giving you grace and more. What happens? Look at in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. So he gives this great gift of forgiveness. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul explains it really well. He says, verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions, that's your sin, that's your disobedience, that's your unwillingness and inability to follow God's law. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's the unfailures of the religion. That's the things you could never meet up to. He says, he made you alive together. Somebody say together. You're not just alive, you're together with Him, Christ, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, all, I'll say that again, all of our transgressions, and having canceled out all the certificate of debt, all the things that you could never live up to, it consisted of decrees against you that was saying you're guilty of sin, you're guilty of this sin, you're guilty of that sin, you're guilty, guilty, guilty. There's no chance this person could ever go to heaven. He says, he uh, sealed the debt and which was hostile against you and he took it out of the way and he nailed it to his cross man is that not good When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, all the accusations of the devil, he says that every time that Satan, even after the fact, after Jesus nailed your sin to the cross, he didn't just forgive you of all the things you could have ever would have should have done. He didn't just forgive you of all the failures to ever live up to religion. He even nailed all that to the cross, wiped away the debt. And then when the devil comes and secretly comes behind you and says, you know, you're still no good. You're still what you used to to be. You're still never going to be what you ought to be. He says he silenced him. Amen. That's I mean that's some triumph stuff right there, right? Okay, there we go. We can have church on Easter, right? Okay, good. Just making sure. He triumphed over everything possible that was against you. The Bible, uh, the Bible says that he uh, made a spectacle of them and he displayed your victory. You know, in that moment when Jesus looked up to heaven, he breathed his last breath and he had cried out this word to tell us stay, which is a Greek word means it is finished. Chuck Swindoll says he says that word really can be translated paid in full as an accounting term, meaning that every debt that you had was completely paid. How many people have ever been to uh, maybe a drive through window or you go out to eat one day? Uh, and you go up to the register, and they say, no, sorry, somebody else paid it. I've had that happen a few times. It's kind of an awesome thing, right? Anybody ever had that happen before? (laughs) Pay it forward, okay? If it didn't happen to you, pay it to somebody else, right? Uh, So paid in full. Well, you could stand there at the register and argue with that person. No, I'm still going to pay you for this food. But the guy would be probably thinking, why would you want to pay for the food? I've already eaten it, but they already paid for it. Well, I still need to do something. No, 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 no. You have been paid in full. That's what it is. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn God's love. You could never have ever tried to foot the bill. But Jesus comes along and he pays it in full. So when you get up to the register, God's like, hey, you're good. Come on in. Amen. That's how it works. So if this door right here on the other side was heaven and its glory, Because of the blood of Jesus, even though I'm imperfect, even though I didn't have enough money in my checkbook to pay the meal, some of us better not be doing that. But even if you go to a place and you don't have enough money to finish it, enough money to pay for it, Jesus pays for it. And so the way it works, when His forgiveness comes upon you and the blood is applied to you, that you are holy enough. Do you believe this? That if this store was heaven, that I could actually go in. And enter into the presence of God at any day or time. That if the rapture would happen today, you are holy enough to be in the presence of God instantaneously. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. Otherwise, the rapture would be happening and we'd still be trying to figure things out to get right before it comes. You are holy enough, paid in full. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You're free from the obligation of religious rules. You're free from the obligation of sinful habits. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There is no condemnation for those who are alive in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life is in Christ. And it sets you free from the law of sin and death. So what do you do? You have to believe. You can have forgiveness from sin, but you have to believe it. You have to accept that it's this too good to be true. This good news, the gospel, it's simple. It's simple. Scripture says Jesus is the son of God. He became flesh that you might know God. He interceded for us by spilling his blood. He made a payment for your sin. He died. He was raised from the dead. And now you can have assurance that he is more powerful than sin and death. That's what the resurrection is for. It is an assurance. It's a guarantee that his credit is better than yours, that you couldn't overcome death, that he could. And so now he's paid it in full and forgiveness is available through him. Acts 13:37 says that through Christ everyone who believes is freed from all things. Mm. Everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed from through the law of Moses. If you believe, it's too good to be true, Pastor Heath. Don't you mean I need to go to church? You should. But that has nothing to do with going to heaven. Don't you mean I should pay my tithes? Yeah, you should. has nothing to do with going to heaven. Don't you mean I need to stop doing this and doing that? Yeah, you should. We're going to talk about that in a second. But that's not about going to heaven. What you have to do from the very beginning is simply believe and confess it. Do you believe this? If you confess your sin, he's faithful and righteous. He's just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How many people believe it? Guess what? You're saved by faith. You're saved by faith. So I want you to say this with me. I am no longer under sin. I am no longer under religion, but under grace. Amen. Amen. Christ has freed us from the guilt and shame of our sin. He's made us holy. Maybe you're saying here today, well, Pastor, I don't feel forgiven. Then you know, you've got a faith problem. You have a faith problem. I don't feel forgiven. You know, I don't always feel like a Christian. I don't always feel good. I'm not always getting up on uh, and singing songs as first thing in the morning. I'm not always going and dancing and, and thinking, "Oh Lord, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood." Jesus is mine. I'm not always feeling that way. We don't always have those beautiful days. But the fact of the matter is, if you confess Christ, you're forgiven. You're saved by grace through faith, not through feelings not through feel-goods, not through emotionalism, not through knowing the right doctrine. You're saved simply by faith. That's it. So if you don't feel forgiven, you've got a faith problem. We say, well, maybe I'm not living forgiven. Now we want to talk about that obedience problem. How do I get free? Because salvation is simply faith, and then we have to learn how to live in faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So it's faith from faith. It's all of it together. So you have forgiveness from sin, but also you get freedom from sin. A lot of times we stop right there. A lot of times we have the forgiveness part, and that's good, I want to get out of hell. But what about the freedom from sin, the power over sin? Scripture commands us to stop sinning if we've been forgiven by Christ. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. Paul says in Romans 6.12, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instrument of righteous, of unrighteousness. Okay, well, Pastor Heath, how do I do that? How do I stop sinning? Because just because I tell you something, if I would, uh, you know, come over here and, and uh, step on John Smith's toes and jump on him, and I'd say, John, don't feel pain. That's probably not going to happen, right? There's some things that we have, uh, we have no power over feeling that pain. There are some things, I've been born in this, this world. I've, my mom or my dad did this or that to me, or I was abandoned, or I w- went through a, a nasty divorce, or maybe my kids are doing this and that. And, and we have all these things that are real-life problems. And just because you come to a church and you say, I believe in Jesus, He died, He rose again, and I believe that He's the Son of God, by faith I'm forgiven... Well, what does that do now? Okay, so how do I go out and change my attitude? How do I go out and get rid of my past? How do I get victory over these things? Even the Apostle Paul says in Romans seven fifteen, he says, you know, there are things in my life I'm doing. I don't even understand why I'm doing them. He's like, I'm not even practicing what I like to preach. There's things I'm doing in my life that I actually hate. And sometimes the Christian life can feel hopeless, like somebody just set you up from failure. they said, hey, be like Jesus. And you're like, I'm trying. It's not working out so well, but I'd like to be better. But there's just things there that are inside of me that seem to take control. When I get angry, these words come out. Or when people start attacking me, these words come out. Or or maybe when I'm going through this season of my life, I, I really can't get my thoughts in order. And this is why so many people give up and leave Christianity, because they tried. And that's the key. They tried. See, Christianity, what Jesus said in John 14, he said, It's not going to be you doing this. It's going to be me in you doing this. See, Christianity is not like any other religion or or, or denominationalism or any kind of uh, chant or self-help book in the world. And because so many people today are serving a dead Christ through a dead religion, they fail to fight these two natures. And inside of us, there's these two natures. There's these two people, one old who likes to do evil and and one new who wants the desires of Christ. But guess what? That old man's pretty strong. Many of us have had many years in the world to build that old man up. And we're born into sin. And you can be uh, sure that that is going to be a fight until you die. But here's the good news. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, sin is the second most powerful force in the universe. For it sent Jesus to the cross. There's only one force that is greater, the love of God. See, the love of God is greater than your sin. It raised Jesus to new life. Sin took him there to death, but his power, the Bible says in Acts that sin in its death was powerless. It could not hold him. And so Jesus got up. And that's the good news that the Bible says in Romans six seventeen that you can be obedient from the heart now as a Christian, just like I was captive to my old desires and my old behaviors and my old tongue and my old, uh, the things I used to do with my hands and the place I used to go with my feet and the things I used to say with my mouth. I was captive to those things, helpless, controlled by those. But now... There's a way that you can be obedient to God. There's a way that you, by the Holy Spirit, can be moved to do things and say things and feel things that you couldn't do before. Because just as you believe by faith for salvation, you can believe by faith for freedom. You have to believe by faith you've died to sin. Let me talk to you about it this way. There's a story uh, that's been told that there was this uh, sea captain back in the day And they were taking a journey across the ocean. And midway through, he kind of went mad. He went crazy. And so the first mate took authority, and they arrested him and and bound him up. And this captain, though, began shouting orders. And the crew, having always been with this captain before, kept feeling like they needed to jump and obey whatever he said because he was yelling out orders, even from captivity. And yet uh, midway through, they had to make this determination Although we've been obeying this sea captain for years, he's no longer in charge because we've got a new captain. Let me tell you something today. As the Christian, you've got a new captain. You no longer have to obey the old captain, the flesh, the controlling thing of their nature. We don't have to obey sin and defeat. We don't have to listen to the lies of the devil anymore because it has all been dealt with and bound up in Jesus Christ. And now we have to learn to obey a new person in charge of our life. And it's all by faith. By faith, I have to put aside and not listen to that voice any longer and say, I believe this man, Jesus Christ, is in charge of my life. I believe it. I'm giving him authority. He's already paid for authority, but I have to surrender my will to obey him. I have to surrender my faith to him. Romans 6, 8 says it this way. If we have died with Christ, we believe. Somebody say, we believe. If you have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, and death no longer is master over Him. For the death that He died, He died once to sin and for all, but the life that He lives, He lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What did Paul just say there? He's saying... Jesus Christ had faith in His Father, that He obeyed and He loved His Father. He let the Father live through Him. And Jesus Christ went down to death, but because He trusted His Father, He knew His Father would bring Him to new life. And by faith, He allows His Father to still live through Him. By faith, He's still living to God. He's saying the same thing for you and I. By faith, I believe that Jesus Christ died. And by faith, I surrender my will to Him, knowing that His way is better than my way. By faith, I willingly lay down my life. And by faith, that's, that's salvation. Now, once I've died with Christ and I've been forgiven on the cross of Jesus Christ, now I move on to the resurrection, which is also by faith. By faith, I now walk in the Spirit of God every single day. By faith, saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Holy Spirit, how would you have me behave? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And by faith faith. I'm believing that I'm free. And so many times we go through this Christian life and we say things like this. Okay, I'm saved. Now I got to try harder. Oh, I'm saved. Now I got to do better. Oh, I gave my life to Jesus. Now I got to try to go to church. Now I got to try to read my Bible. Yeah, those are real things. But let me tell you something. You can't do it. You couldn't get yourself saved and you can't live saved by without Jesus Christ. And we do that so many times. It's like I'm I I'm going to do better I'm going to try harder. But here's the deal. You died with Christ. You're not alive anymore. Now Christ has to live in you. And so now Christ is going to talk through you. Now Christ is going to feel through you. We get in trouble a lot of times with our feelings. I feel this way, so I'm deserving to react this way. No, no, no. You don't feel anymore. You let Jesus feel through you. How should I respond to this person? Jesus, I feel angry right now. He's saying, wait a minute, who's in control here? How do you let you, let me feel through you? How let how let you make me res, let me respond through you. How how about I take control of the wheel here in this situation? And Paul says it this way in Galatians 2:20 says I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live any longer but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live even that's in the flesh. Here's the key verse for the whole day. The life I now live even in the flesh, this stuff I got on. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. You are saved by faith, and you've got to live by faith. You say, Pastor Heath, but this problem is real in my life. Yeah, it is. But by faith, you're free. By faith, you're forgiven, and by faith, you're free. Well, this is so powerful. You don't know. You've never been there. You've never gone through what I've gone through. No, maybe I haven't. But I know what Scripture says. It says the same faith that you believe you're saved is the same faith it takes to live free. And what we do so many times is we stop at the cross and we try to say, I'm forgiven. Okay, now I got this, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm going to do better. No, no, no. Live by faith. Live in the Holy Spirit. And Paul explains it even deeper in Romans 8, 3. You say, I don't, I don't get it, Pastor Heath. And I, trust, trust me, years I've been in church, I grew up in church my whole life, Mom and dad were very involved in church. I did not really, I don't think, understand the gospel until I was an adult and really got into studying uh, the book of Galatians and Romans. Just to understand, what is it saying? Paul says it this way, because I'm thick-headed and I don't always get it. Verse 3 in chapter 8, he says, What the law could not do. What religion, what following the law, what trying to be obedient could not do. It was weak through your flesh, he says, but God did it. He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for your sin. He condemned it. And the requirement of all those religious rules, the requirement of all the laws would be fulfilled in us who are now not walking according to the flesh or our own ability, but we're walking according to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And now every day you walk by faith, which is the same thing as walking by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is alive in you because you choose to die to self and you live with Christ. And each day, what you do, I lay aside the old man. I just remind myself, man, that captain is dead. That old man is gone. Jesus dealt with that thing on the cross. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what my bank account says. I don't care how sick I am. By faith, I'm saved. By faith, I'm free. Holy Spirit, be more powerful in me today. Remind me, Holy Spirit, who Jesus is, what Jesus is doing. And Jesus, I trust you to save me. Lord, I'm trusting you to live through me. I'm not an addict any longer. I'm not an alcoholic any longer. I'm not addicted to pornography any longer. I'm not a cussing like a sailor any longer because I am free in Jesus' name. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. Keep focusing on fleshly things, you'll fail and die. But if you focus your thoughts on the Holy Spirit and what He gives you, you'll find power in life, Paul says. I can keep thinking I'm still one of these things. I can keep thinking I'm the old man. I can keep rehearsing those thoughts and that pain. Well, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what he said to me. You don't know how that happened to me. No, I don't. But you died. And so those feelings of what was done to you died on the cross. And that pain that was done to you died on the cross. And now you are a new person. You don't have to carry that stuff around any longer because Jesus is now living through you. Let him be Christ in you. Not just Christ for you. Along the way, like Jesus said in John, if you falter, all you have to do is cry out to him. You do not have to get saved every single Sunday at the altar call. We fail all the time. I fail every day. I say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Lord, I want to walk by faith today. God, help me. I didn't walk like I wanted to walk yesterday. But God, I know you love me. You paid for me. I believe. I confess you are God I know I'm saved. Lord, well, help me now walk in freedom. I know I'm forgiven, but help me to walk in freedom from everything. So I want you to say something with me today. By faith, through the Spirit, my past is powerless. My past is powerless today. So when before you could say, I don't know if I can stop, I don't think I can do this, I I don't know if I can overcome this. You can say, by faith through the Holy Spirit, I can stop. I am free. I am a child of the King. I am an overcomer. I am a more than conquering in Christ Jesus. And by faith through the Holy Spirit, I am not only forgiven, but I am free. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Jesus, have your way today, Lord God. Andrew Murray said it this way. He said, a dead Christ... I must do everything for, but a living Christ does everything for me. A dead Christ, you're going to live, trying to live up to what he did to you, what he did for you. A dead Christ, just a dead Christ, you're going to try to uh, live up to the work that he did for you on the cross. But a resurrected, a living Christ, you say, God, you are living through me, that my God is alive. He is living, and he's living in me. If you'd bow your heads with me today. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be in our hearts. Let's ask God to search us and know us. How should you respond to this message? What is God? You're not responding to Pastor Heath. You're not responding to Sanctuary's altar call. You're responding to God today. This is His Word. This is what He wants to do in this service. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking today? Are you living forgiven? Do you feel forgiven? Do you have peace with God? If you were to die today, what confidence do you have that you would meet God in eternity? Have you given up everything of your life to die with Christ? Salvation comes when we repent of our sin. That means we die with Him. We turn away from control of our own life. We say, God, I'm no longer in control. I'm going to die with you. That I confess my sin. I repent. I turn from it. And I give my life to Christ. That Christ becomes not only just your Savior. He becomes your friend. Your best friend. But He doesn't just become your friend and Savior. He also becomes your Master. Your Lord. That He tells me what to do and how to do. And I submit to His Word. And I submit my life to His Lordship. That is salvation. It's leaving your life leaving your thoughts, leaving your attitude, leaving your wants and your desires, and going down to death with Him by faith, knowing He's going to raise you up into new life. And if you believe that, you're saved. That's simple. But it's a choice to die with Christ, that you might live for Him and through Him.